This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Body Talk. And I'm really excited because I have the lead researcher of a paper I talked about about a month ago involving uh, robots and mice. And this is um, for those of you out there who say you can't change tissue or your friends or those people you see on social media who say you can't change tissue. Well, Dr. Bo Riccio is going to change your mind about that if you're one of those people. And if you're not, you're going to love her message. So she is a biomedical engineer who has been studying mechanobiology and mechanotherapy to develop therapeutic strategies for cancer and tissue regeneration. Uh, her recent work is focused on understanding the immunoregulatory roles of mechanical loading on improving skeletal muscle regeneration. Uh, she was a postdoc research fellow at Dr. David Mooney's group at Harvard University and was attached to the Weiss Institute, which was founded by a name that should be familiar to a lot of the listeners, Dr. Donald Ingber. Uh, prior to joining Mooney's group at Harvard, uh, Dr. Seo received her bachelor's degree from Korea University in Seoul and obtained her doctoral degree under the membership of Dr. Claudia Fishback in biomedical engineering at Cornell. Um, we're going to join this conversation in progress. She's going to be talking a little bit about her early days, and uh, we're going to move into the research that she just published. And don't worry, there'll be plenty of links in the show notes. So without further ado, here is Dr. Bo Riccio on Body Talk. Yeah, so I mean, um, you know, like when I joined Dave's group at Harvard and this university, Institute, I actually intended to develop or design some biomaterial-based scaffold to deliver uh, different type of stem or different type of cells or biology factors to promote or to help the uh, tissue regeneration of any of or skeletal muscle tissues. But what I found from the uh, most recent study from the group was that without any biological factors or any cells, we can basically accelerate the regeneration by this compressive actuation mode, uh, which were delivered by magnetic-based actuatable scaffolds. Let me actually step back. One of the uh, former uh, grad students, Christian Cesar, she designed this biomaterial, actuarable biomaterial-based magnet to better deliver or disperse the cells or biologic factor to the, to the body. Then as a control for that study, she basically didn't add any of factors or any of cells and then just implant these actuarable gels by magnetic force to the body and then just actuate them. She could just give a compression this type of mode with the biomaterials in the injured in tissue. And then she, she found that that itself could actually accelerate the healing process. And then that actually makes me really excited. Like, you know, then we could potentially develop uh, non-invasive, like it doesn't need to be implantable, but we can just make some sort of external device which can provide similar type of compressed loading on the injured tissue and see if that itself can help regeneration. And if so, then 
why it happens. Mm -hmm. Okay, so is that was that related to the study from a few years ago that, sh mm -hmm. that doubled the rate of muscle regeneration? Correct. Over yes. the course of two weeks. Let me make sure I understood this correctly. So there mm -hmm. was a gel that was implanted, but then it was activated through mechanical pressure. Correct? It's, yeah, it's by the magnetic force. So basically, the gel has a ion oxide a particle that can uh, be responsive to the magnetic force. So the gel has a, some of the particle that can be responsive to the magnetic force. And then once we just bring the magnetic close to the gel, then they can basically your control yeah. is just the compressive force using the pneumatic yeah pneumatic based the device that can give a compressive force right and you said wait a minute just that alone is sufficient to create these mm -hmm. changes so how mm -hmm. can we measure that that's exciting yeah. for manual therapists everywhere um, right so then you mm -hmm. had to develop the experiment but then mm -hmm. you had to develop or have developed for you a robot Mm -hmm. soft robot that you could right. then ensure that it was the same amount delivered every single time. Right. What, what was that process like? How long did that take? Uh, longer than what uh, we expected, but as usual, right? The research takes longer Contractors, than... Contractors, <laughs> Yeah. Oops. Sorry. Um, so it took about almost two years or so. It took some time to think about what kind of parameters we would like to introduce, but then we had some idea, right, based on the previous study uh, in 2015. So we wanted to deliver compressive loading. So that's great. And then we also needed to think about what type of parameter we should also take into account so that you know, so that we can also test the impacts of, impacts of those far parameters. That also took some time to uh, think about. And also, the, uh, we have to think about the design itself of the uh, actuator because, you know, human body has a, you know, pretty relatively big. Yes. We can easily imagine how we can actually design the, uh, design the actuator, actuation system. But for the uh, mouse, which is a fairly small <laughs> yeah it has to be much more delicate right yeah and also uh geometry of this muscle in the hyaline of mice um is uh very interesting to design the actuators around that geometry so that also takes some time to you know to think about like how we can deliver the loading in a control manner in the muscle that you chose mm -hmm. was the tibialis anterior right yes yeah. How big is an average mouse tibialis anterior? Yeah, it's very small. So the uh, the mouse that we are using are six to twelve weeks old, which is our young like adult age, and then they are typically twenty to twenty five uh, gram of mice uh, the body weight, and then those mice usually have like eight millimeter to one centimeter length of uh, tibialis anterior muscle, and the the uh, diameter is about three to four millimeter at the most. And if you actually use a little bit later, use the mouse, the muscle from the mouse at a little bit later stage, then you could get a little bit bigger muscle, but not much bigger. So basically it's fairly small, um, like small size of muscle. And if you would like to get the accurate, you know, force on that small muscle to get accurate tissue strain, that was a big challenge, but we, Got it done. So that's great. So, so you have you have this very small, very precise, soft percussive robot that's going to mm -hmm. deliver a consistent compressive force on this really tiny target tissue. 
but the tissue itself had to be strained ahead of time, correct? Really yes, sure. yes, correct. Yes. Yeah. Right. So how, yeah, so just kind of walk me through the process, how, how you do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So vertically, um, you know, to mimic the uh, injury condition, we induced uh, a myotoxin injection to prevalently use for the mouse model in the skeletal muscle regeneration field. Creates an inflammation, basically. Yeah, inflammation and then direct damage on the muscle fibers and muscle damage. But that, that itself wouldn't um, be enough because, you know, mouse mice has a tremendous capability or ability to heal spontaneously, unlike human. <laughs> so we have- think mice are better at healing than we are. Yeah, they're, they're really, really fast in terms of healing process. So we have to prolong that injury process uh, adding by adding the uh, ischemic surgery, which essentially, which actually mimic the peripheral disease type of uh, injury. So we basically ligate artery and vein um, to cut down the blood source to the hyaline muscle so that muscle can go through the uh, uh, necrotic damage. So that actually prolonged the injury's uh, status wow. uh, up to several weeks. Well, first of all, that's a long process. What would be the comparative relative injury to a human? So, I mean, it's hard to um, make a direct comparison with the, any specific injury types for human, since we are using the myotoxin injection, but the, uh, regarding the histological features, uh, or pathological feature, I would say that we we generated are basically any types of muscle damage that actually went go, going through the muscle fiber death and severe damage and the, with the severe fibrosis, and also the ischemic surgery itself can mimic the peripheral disease of human. Usually, the patient with the peripheral disease go through the uh, necrotic muscle death because of the shore of the blood. Yeah, so I think based on the pathological features that we had in the in the, our, our mice model, that can mimic any of very severe muscle damage, although we can really make a neck and neck comparison. There are a lot of inherent similarities between mm -hmm. mice and men, to borrow from John Steinbeck, which is why they get used so often. But, mm -hmm. but so you were modeling a pretty severe injury, if I yes. understand correctly. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. how many mice did you do this? Typically, we do at least have five to 10 mice per study. Mm -hmm. um, but then we actually ran numerous times of <laughs> study to confirm uh, these therapeutics um, impacts as well as to confirm the or to characterize parameters uh, about what kind of what magnitude of forces are better and what what type of frequencies and load duty cycles are better than the other. So yeah, we went through more than 50 to 60 studies okay. to make sure that this is true. That took several years, I assume. I joined uh, Dave's lab as a postdoctor fellow like December, 2015. So yeah, so from the 2016 to basically, you know, to up to 2000. To I need to finish up the work and writing a paper to get it published by 2021. So almost four to five years of work. <laughs> I, I love anybody, particularly a young person like yourself, <laughs> who, who appreciates the long game, 
you know. <laughs> I mean, we want things we want things an hour after we order them, but you're like, no, this is going to take five or six years to get the information. Yes, because yeah. it's a long process. But that's right. that's one of the hallmarks of good <laughs> research. Hi, everybody. David Lasondak here for Body Talk, and I want to tell you we've gotten over thirteen thousand downloads since I started this podcast in March of this year. That's a pretty phenomenal number. And I want to thank all of you for taking the time out to pay attention to this show. And I'm going to guarantee you that I will continue to make it worthy of your attention. Please subscribe. If you haven't subscribed already, you can leave reviews wherever fine podcasts are found. That really makes a big difference. And if you really love the show, please think about becoming a patron at patreon.com backslash body talk radio. And for less than you would spend on a double tall, triple whip, ultra skinny, double mocha frappa foam a lot to Chino, uh, you can keep the pod strong for the next 365 days and get access to some really cool bonus content. So sometimes some really cool conversations happen when we're done recording the show, but the mic is still on and we've got that for you along with uh, some swag because you need some swag. And remember, just keep listening, keep smiling, and thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for listening to Body Talk and making it a part of your life. And now we'll get back to the show. How did the mice respond to to being therapized, if you will? Because how did you actually apply the the robot to the to uh-huh, the, to the yeah so did i mean hold um, a certain way or how did that work mm-hmm. to apply the uh, mechanical stimulation on the mice mice have to be anesthetized otherwise they're gonna move around and they're gonna oh, they're not okay. gonna sit and tight right right so they're gonna just move around as as kids <laughs> um so we have to yeah. uh, like take them into a little room with some soft music and dim lights and like <laughs> I wish you know, should nice pillow, you know. <laughs> yeah, we should relax, relax. <laughs> yeah, we should, yeah, we should also <laughs> think about incorporating that too. It'd be epigenetic. It'd be an epigenetic. Yeah. So. so yeah, that's a good thing. So good you, you anesthetize the mice. With the uh, um the isoflame, which is an inhalant anesthetic uh, agent, so that they can quickly go down and then they can quickly come back. Uh, and then basically uh we put the mice on the like, small bed and then put injured limb in the soft material based holder uh, so that you know mouse the limb cannot be damaged or has any skin irritation uh, by a dream that um, mechanical simulation. So basically any interface, any interface that touch to the uh, on the injured limbs are very soft. Usually if you think about the robotic uh, actuation, actuators, or robotic device, then people think about the metal base or very rigid uh, device. Right. But, you know, if you think about it, you're going to give, um, you know, massage therapy or mechanical simulation on the injured limb for like long period of time, you don't want to have any unnecessary damage or irritation on uncomfortness from the, the rigid device itself. So we basically make... Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So we basically make a very soft interface, which can, which basically has any contact on the uh, injured tissues. So basically put the injured limb on the very soft holder. We basically fix the, the ankle with the soft string 
so that the uh, limb cannot be uh, moved around while, it, while it's being stimulated. And then we basically stimulate specifically injured area with the mechanical actuators. Uh, and also, oh. of course, mechanical actuator has a optometry interface. Two questions here. So how mm -hmm. did you determine the force and the depth? And, mm -hmm. and how long was each repetition of the therapy? We basically uh, came up with the, the range of uh, forces that we want to deliver based on the preliminary studies and to make sure that specific forces are delivered we actually have a force sensor on the tip of the actuator as soon as they basically this actuator touch to the uh, uh, touch it to the injured limb and then they can sense how much force is applied uh, and then we have a close loop feedback uh, system on the control box control box have, uh, can get that information from the force sensor. And then if there's any error or there is any discrepancy about the uh, out force, um, output force, then this control box automatically correct that, okay, there are some errors. We are gonna make sure to deliver the right force. So there is a closed loop feedback system. Now you repeated this intervention once a day over two weeks, is that right? In five minutes, um, twice a day. And then we have a 12, 10 to 12 hour interval. So we usually give this massage therapy or mechanical stimulation on the injured muscle in the morning, and then they let the mouse move around and then do their things. And then we come back at the end of the day and then give we give another uh, stimulation. So we have a, yeah, twice a day and 12, 10 to 12 hour interval of simulation. Recently, we also found that we had a similar similar positive impact when we give 10 minutes stimulation, but once a day. So at the end of the day, it's the same amount of the time, we, um, right? 10 minutes of yep. simulation, but just once a day. So obviously once a day for 10 minutes is much more convenient for you and for the mouse. Right. <laughs> For sure. Okay. Yeah. So after that, now, now I'm just, I just have, I'm just curious. As the days went on, did anybody actually observe any mechanical changes in the way the mice were moving around? I know that's not one of your measurements, but I'm curious. That's a great point. We we didn't really quantify this measurement. We just observed, uh, you know, how these mice move around and. Um, how their gates are, uh, although we didn't really score specifically. We measure the mechanical properties of the tissue itself. So let me start with the uh, gates and um, their physical activity. So right after injury, basically mice track their feet um, because this um, injury itself is pretty severe that mice cannot really utilize their injury limb very much. But as time uh, as we basically deliver this mecha mechanical simulation on the uh, on the injured limb, and they basically started to you know pick up their like regular activities and so on. Although we haven't really compared their um, activity neck and neck, you know we know that their uh, the functional recovery actually is gradually gradually going better in response mm -hmm. mechanical simulation. So we basically. To do that, we basically took out the uh, tissue at a different time points from day one, day seven, and day 14, and basically saw how this uh, muscle exerted 
your contraction you could your contract for contraction force as a as as a function of mechanical simulation you you took a sample halfway through and then at the end did i hear that right? mm -hmm. yeah yeah and then and so basically we have a, did you look for so we so for the functional outcome we measure the contractile force or tetanic force of muscle so this basically is indicator of the functional recovery about how much force this each muscle can exert. So we basically look at that and also we look at histological features and, and also we look at you know other type of biological markers such as immune response, immune uh, related markers uh, to look at more um, to look at more mechanistic uh, parts. But in terms of functional parts, uh, the treated mechanical simulation mechanical simulation treated group uh, showed uh, gradually better uh, functional outcome along the or during the course of studies as a uh, as, uh, in response to mechanical simulation. Um, I want to circle back to you mm -hmm. mentioned uh, staining and looking at immunological markers. Mm -hmm. That's where the really interesting stuff mm -hmm. showed up around neutrophils, which is a type of white blood cell, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. But I thought neutrophils were, were good for you, but you can actually have too many of them. Is that the case? Yeah. So, yeah. So neutrophils are very important uh, in general. They are, uh, you know, first responder for your, of your immune system to fight against bacteria or pathogens or any sort of, you know, harmful agents or reagent uh, agents um, to your body. And then they basically kill those pathogens or to and also they clear up the damaged muscle fibers so that you know the damaged tissue gets remodeled and replaced by new tissue, new cells or new tissue accordingly. But if they stay too long, mm -hmm. then they could impact or they could uh, harmfully affect your tissue, intact even intact tissue with the same mechanisms that they use to kill the harmful pathogens. Okay, sure, yeah, too, too much of a good thing. Yeah. What, what sort of thing would engender the neutrophils to want to hang out longer than they should? So basically, neutrophils are responsive to the, any danger signals, which means any dead cells or any sort of pathogens or any signal from the dead tissues or injured tissue, then they basically stay there to clear out of these damaged tissues. But if they, yeah, basically, yeah, basically they, if they stay too long because of this uh, prolonged uh, signal from the danger or damaged tissues, that basically then provide, you know, negative right. uh, impact. No, I, I think, I think I'm, I'm cutting to the chase here because mm -hmm. the, the, the spoiler for my listeners who maybe aren't familiar with this research yet mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. that you discovered the, the tremendous positive benefit of mechanotherapy mm -hmm. on neutrophil distribution within mm -hmm. this damaged muscle, which mm -hmm. is like really, really exciting. If one had an injury like this, mm -hmm. the less stimulation you got, the more mm -hmm. you, whether it was mechanical stimulation or getting up and moving around, one could hypothesize that that lack of mobility or any mechanical stimulation would allow the neutrophils to proliferate in a way that would not be helpful to your health. Is that fair? <laughs> Mm, yeah, that's very interesting. It's a, hard, it's a big question. Yeah, that's yeah, but that's that's where my brain's going. It's wondering is that is that maybe a suggestion, something that could be looked at in a future experiment? 
Yes, I guess that's also depending on the injury type, right? So mm -hmm. like typically the exercise mediated injury may not necessarily have a lot of neutrophil coming in and, you know, this mechanotherapy uh, may help, but that, but that necessarily help in the way to clear out neutrophils or to promote neutrophil proliferation. But, you know, yeah. part of what I'm thinking about here too, is there's a yeah. researcher out of Queensland in New Zealand, Paul Hodges, who has mm -hmm. shown that fatty infiltration in erector spinae muscles can mm -hmm. be reversed through a specific exercise. Cannot reverse through. No, can be. Can, can be, can be, can, yeah. Yeah, and he's got films of it. I mean, he's replicated this quite a few times and on humans. So I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just trying to put the pieces together and that's just what my brain's doing. Like how can we basically, so basically you think then that we, if, the, by the mechanotherapy or, you know, moving around activity could basically have or like. Well, I, I, I'm thinking not one or the other, uh -huh. mm -hmm. but again, you know, and then again, it, in, in this is, this is a little my bias because of my day job, <laughs> uh, but, but I'm thinking about both and I'm thinking about how in the fifties, let's say the 1950s before both of us were born, you know, severe, when there was an injury uh, or a, uh, a, you know, you were told not to do things. You were put in a cast for weeks and weeks and weeks. You were told not to move things. Now they want you up and moving as soon as possible. Oh, yes. Okay. So, they, so they that want to push a healthy inflammatory effect with because mm -hmm. you, you can, you can get deconditioned mm -hmm. by not moving enough. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm going with it. Yeah. That's a great question. I'm, I'm not um, sure. No comment. It's all right. Yeah, I mean, I guess the activity itself would help to, you know, circulate or to like flush out some of the uh, some of the unnecessary inflammatory related uh, uh, stops. But you know, that also depending on what kind of movement you are referring to. Basically, here we do give a passive way of compression mode versus you know, activity itself is more like active moment active movement of a muscle right this is two different things so so, mm -hmm. so if we get back to the compressive <laughs> force <laughs> yeah specific experiment so it was as if then that this compressive force mm. helped to squeeze yeah the, mm -hmm. the excess neutrophils and the mm -hmm. cytokines that you didn't want mm -hmm. out of the tissue mm -hmm. that yeah thing to say right yeah i think yeah it's fair to do. This is it's like it's like you know, if you think about the soak, really like water soaked sponge that containing a containing a lot of waters and a lot of stuffs inside. But if once you actually actually squeeze or giving some compression on those soaked sponge, then that basically help to flush out the water or stuff inside of the sponge. Yes. That's what it happens in the in the muscle. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's and that's brilliant because that's that's a metaphor that a lot of the science people in my community have been using to explore and explain different effects of manual and movement therapy mm -hmm. connected mm -hmm. to the system. Mm -hmm. so I, I like it when these two worlds come together. <laughs> That's very, very exciting to me. Mm -hmm. So so what's really cool, and you'll see in the links to the show, listeners, mm -hmm. but I'll have a, a link to the press release and they have some brilliant photographs of the before and after 
uh, of the neutrophil infiltration or mm -hmm. lack thereof mm -hmm. in the muscle tissue from from this compressive therapy mm -hmm. that you did mm -hmm. on these mice. So what's next? Go oh, wow. That. Yeah, so that's, that's a great question and it's a really exciting question. So, you know, we have done extensive work um, um, to find out the therapeutic impacts of compressed welding and also mechanism uh, to understand the mechanism in the based on the like, small animals like mouse. So we want to verify these impacts in a more larger scale animals or eventually would like to uh, confirm these impacts with the uh, human scale, a human um, patient. And also to do that, we basically have to scale up our device, which can be uh, optimized for the larger animals or human scale, human patients. And also we have to, you know, verify these the impacts of the mechanical loading on the different types of injury to make sure that you know this also can be universally utilized for any type of or different types of skeletal muscle injury. So then once we know then, let's say if we find um, the impacts of mechanical loading on the volumetric loss type of injury, then mm -hmm. we can basically direct, directly use this for the patient who lose uh, the chunks of muscle because of the traumatic accidents or tumor resection, after tumor resection, or mm -hmm. from the injury from battlefield. Um, so that's the uh, future plan that we are. So you're telling me eventually my job's going to be replaced by a robot. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so, no, I'm not saying. I, so the, the, I'm not saying that. So I'm not saying that the. No, uh, I, did, I didn't think you were, but I, just, I had to ask. I had yeah, to ask. yeah, no, but I'm not, I'm not saying the robotic uh, uh, mediated uh, actuation or mechanical simulation is the best. I'm not saying that. No. But and I wasn't implying that you were. Yeah. <laughs> but to for the uh, for the systemic studies mm. for the clinical the verifications or preclinical verification, you know, we need some sort of, you know, the, some sort of system that can deliver you know, control manner of the um, yes. and, that's, and that's what really excites me about your research. Mm -hmm. We're looking for where the science is that mm -hmm. shows that these manual therapies uh, have salience that we could, that, you know, where can they actually be measured and shown to be effective? And your research really clearly shows that. Yeah, that I actually, great. that's great. I that's actually great. have one, one thing to add. Go ahead, what is that? Go yeah, so that. we basically, um, so after you talk about the, mm -hmm. our research, uh, trying to replace the menu, the, uh, <laughs> you know, the physical yeah. therapist. Um, so basically we have to, you know, work together Yes, we have to work together um, with, you know, like uh, physical scientists, uh, physical therapists, and then also uh, basic scientists and engineers. So, uh, so uh, to make a better, uh, to make or to have obtain better understand understanding of what types of uh, mechanical stimulation um, is optimal for uh, accelerating or accelerating specific types of uh, tissue regeneration because mm -hmm. you know like physical therapists have so many experiences in terms of what types of move one or physical manipulation of tissue are uh, good for a specific type of injuries and then we if we have those like idea or knowledge 
uh, or we, if we, the engineer or basic research scientists get this um, knowledge from the physical therapist and then try to make a device to mimic those specific motion. Um, and then, then we can actually utilize these device to do the basic science to understand mechanistic links. We only got the understanding about either compress, compressions or compressive loading or stretching. Um, that's about it. But you know, the manual um, physical uh, therapy contains a lot of different types of mode. And then- they are, And they can be applied, you, you can push, pull and twist simultaneously. Right, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So in the future, I think soft robotic technology um, can uh, eventually uh, mimic, ultimately can mimic those specific type of uh, movement. Um, then we can basically also test out what kind of therapeutic impacts of this specific movement on the tissue regenerations. So to do that, we have to really closely work together. Thank you so much for making time this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you so much this for having me. Yeah. Absolutely delightful. Hopefully we'll have you or someone else from the Weiss Institute with some other really amazing mind-blowing research here on Body Talk. Thank you so much, Bori. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and it's a pleasure to talk to you.